I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Freel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. It's our first show of the new year. I'm already feeling like 2021 is better, although it is hard to be worse than 2020. But knock on wood, I, pro- I probably shouldn't say that. We're only a few days into the year. Um, so we've got an awesome, uh, really awesome show lined up for you guys. And uh, selfishly, this is a show that Dean and I really wanted to do because I think a lot of people... Uh, discount themselves from playing big, even when uh, you're small. So we've got uh, an awesome entrepreneur to share his story, how he's successfully grown his business. Um, and in the meantime, he's actually uh, he's actually just ri- ridden into his stable. So he's broadcasting from another location today. Uh, but nonetheless, let's welcome the one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> <laughs> you like that the stable right? i did i did i did i love it and as you can see i am indeed in the stable as well this is just well, i love i love everywhere. that you've got like a whiteboard in your stable i feel like that's a demonstration of your commitment to creativity and thinking big and brainstorming and just like all of the things well you just never know when the ideas are going to hit right so i have to just have these everywhere in the stable in the refrigerator just all over the place (laughs) exactly right yeah and oddly we've still never seen your horse even though now we're currently in the stable but um yeah it's always a last minute rush the horse is just over there having some food so unfortunately it's not going to happen today my friend but uh how are you anyway being uh being that this is the first show of the new year seems like i haven't spoke to you for a while so i feel actually really good about myself to be honest i don't imagine that'll last long no it won't i'll uh i'll make sure i tear you down a little bit um and (laughs) maybe even with the help of our guest because he seems like he's up for uh a little bit of ball busting here today so we've got an awesome guest name is Tyler Orenstein, and he is the founder of Tyler's Coffee. And uh, the thing we were talking about right before the show that I thought was super interesting, he's like, coffee is the second biggest industry in the world, second only to petroleum. I had no idea about that. And so if you've ever felt like David in a David and Goliath battle, um, today Tyler's here and he's going to talk to us about really how to wage war in unfair battles. So Tyler... Welcome to the show, man. We're super happy to have you here. Yeah, I don't hey, have a trumpet. A lot. For really you, appreciate so, it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll work on your trumpet next time. It, you know, it's okay. I've I've had I've had worse intros. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I like that. We're starting off on the right foot. I, I can't compliment. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we're talking today about you know how to compete in the giants against the giants in your industry and win. I think that no matter what industry you're going into, uh, if it's something that's established, there's already a player, right? There's already a number of players. And you broke into the coffee industry, which uh, according to you, I just found out it's like way bigger than I could have ever imagined. And you've got a, a thriving, successful business. 
And so I want to unpack all of that. But uh, before we get into how you've grown the business and how you've competed and found your niche and your place and all those other things, um, you've been an entrepreneur for probably half of your life or more at this stage. How did how did things really start for you being an entrepreneur and what what caused you to like want to get on that roller coaster? Great. I love that. Roller coaster is the absolute keyword in this whole entire situation. Every <laughs> entrepreneur literally needs to understand that it is a roller coaster ride. And if they are not been on a roller coaster ride, then they're not entrepreneuring correctly. Um, so that's not is a real the... word, entrepreneuring. Mm -hmm. No, okay. it's, I just coined it. It's right. real. Okay. It is now. It yeah, is now. now it's a word. Entrepreneuring. <laughs> I like the word. I've been saying it like recently. Uh, you know, I'm just entrepreneuring and, and people, they, they don't call me out on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Count to me, Jane. I put an end to that. I like that though. Like, hey, hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm entrepreneuring. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll leave you alone. No worries. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So if you're not on a roller coaster, you're not entrepreneuring correctly. I agree. Um, so I started the company at uh, 14 years old, door to door on a bicycle. Um, and the way that this whole uh, idea and concept of the product came about is my father's a biochemist and him and I kind of bonded over coffee. We drank coffee on a semi-regular basis and um you know it, it just like kind of ate at him literally and so one day he went to the uh, doctor and the doctor's like you know ian you, you can't drink coffee anymore you, you have you have stomach issues you have ulcers and so he figured out that uh you know the coffee is not really to blame what it is is it's these tannic and lipid acids these two acids that wreak havoc on the GI tract and cause inflammation in the GI tract. And essentially people that have Crohn's, GERD, uh, OAP, mm. colitis, uh, leaky gut, um, people that have surgeries in their abdominal uh, cavity, they, they, they cannot drink acidic products anymore. It's not just coffee. They can't drink soda or they can't drink, you know, lemonade and stuff like that. They can't have tomatoes, so on and so forth. And so by forming the idea of reducing the acids in the, uh, in the roasting process, um, essentially not blooming the tannic and lipid acids, we were able to yield a neutral pH and the coffee was then definitely received very, very highly in, uh, in certain markets of uh, people that have stomach related issues. And it's kind of expanded out from that. So it used to be, oh, well, I can't drink coffee, but I can drink Tyler's. And now it's like, well, I'm on an alkaline diet or I just want to be healthier because it's an organic and acid-free coffee. And so we've kind of taken, you know, a niche market. We're starting to build a little bit more uh, user base out of it. All right. So I want to know how you start selling this on a bicycle though. So you just start knocking on doors and you're like, hey, is your coffee bothering your stomach? I've got like, I've got and people are like, oh yeah, here's a 14 year old kid on a bike. Yeah, He's yeah, giving yeah, me health yeah. advice so, and some coffee. Like, why wouldn't I buy some? So, uh, you know, at a, at a very, very young age, I learned um, conquer your fears head on. And so I was nervous. And so what better to go, you know, bang on strangers doors and, and tell them, hey, you need coffee. Um, I'll never forget this really, really sweet lady. And she's the one that kind of take, took the 
concept of this coffee to, you know, infancy. So I look at every business as a child and you have conception or, you know, you're, you're conceiving the idea and then you have a birth and then you have, you know, infancy, adolescence, uh, maturity and adulthood. So for example, like adulthood would be Apple, it would be Amazon, it would be Tesla, it would be Walmart, it would be, you know, multi-billion dollar, multinational conglomerate hedge fund ran corporations, yeah. that, you know, sit at almost a trillion dollars in net cap. So uh, there's, there's, there's always going to be this uh, level of, of uh, you know, growth in companies. So we're obviously way out of infancy or way out of, you know, adolescence. Uh, we're coming into maturity. But the point is, is that when I started the company, I would just go door to door and I would hand out these sample packs and literally ask them, what's your name and number and follow up with them. And I'll, I'll never forget this, this old lady, because I wanted to get a test market. I wanted to see if my you know, idea or concept would actually be viable in the marketplace. And I'll never forget, she, you know, I called her and she was really sweet and she goes, you know, that actually didn't hurt my stomach. Where, where do I get that coffee? And I was like, well, for me. And she's like, well, how much is it? And I was like, oh, a dollar, you know? And, and at that moment, it went from like a light bulb and I realized that this is now a idea where people are willing to transfer their funds for goods, so goods and services. And so if if she wants it, how many other people in the whole entire world want it? And how many people did you how many people did you talk to? Pallets. How many people did you talk to before you ran into this lady who kind of made it work or at least gave you like a ray of hope? I'd say 50, 50, 60 people, something like yeah. that. Yeah. There's less than number one. I I didn't know yeah. what the number was going to be like. I, right. We didn't plan this ahead of time, but I I was sure it wasn't. No, I'm sure I was sure she wasn't the first one. Let's put it that way. No, no more no, more knows. around how much is it, and it's like I don't know. I didn't anticipate being in this situation. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> right. right. <laughs> He's like, uh oh, shit. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Hundred dollars is too much, you know. Like, <laughs> so uh, he's like. How much do you think it should be? <laughs> yeah. Think about how much better you felt today having not had those stomach cramps. <laughs> right? Yeah. Can you really put a price on that, ma'am? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we we are not cheap. So I will I will say that in the marketplace, Tyler's Coffees is not considered a cheap coffee. But if you go on Amazon and you go to Google and you go onto like our website directly, you'll see there's reviews on reviews on reviews on reviews on reviews on reviews. And 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 it speaks for itself because we have an 85% retention rate on our customer base, mm -hmm. which is just unheard of in a consumable. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So how so you had this, you know, this product that your dad created. And you decide to see if you could start selling it. So you get, you know, this this lady who, you know, kind of pro provides at least some proof of concept. Where did you where did you go from there? Like, how did you how did you start ramping things up? Did you like I'm genuinely curious about the story because you've been running this business for most of your life at this stage. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
And, and so like, did you keep riding the bike and knocking on doors? You know, did something shift when you made that first sale? Like how did, how did this start to go from, Hey, this is a cool thing. Let me see if I can make a few dollars to let me turn this into a business. Like what, what was that process that you went through? Well, I got really lucky because in 2006 is when we went online and internet was just at not infancy, but just growing, you know, it wasn't like everyone was not an online business. There was Shopify was an idea. Um, it wasn't the biggest marketplace in the world. And, uh, but the best way to explain it is I looked at the internet and I saw it as a opportunity to expand my horizons at a low cost. And I mean, Facebook was founded in 06 or 05. So um, it just shows you like, you know, I mean, the progression is just amazing, but yeah. So, so long story short, um, got online, started making some sales started shipping uh, out of my bedroom. You know, my part of my bedroom was my my office. I had a desk, I had some postage stuff. I had some boxes of coffee and, you know, just kind of I, really grassroots, uh, mm-hmm. built the company from grassroots. And, um, and then in 2006 as well as when we first got our grocery store chain, AJ's Fine Food, which is in Arizona and there are 11 stores, but that was really exciting for us because we were never in a, in a grocery store. Now we're in 500 stores across the country and uh, or on Amazon, eBay, Jet. Uh, we're in like 30 different retail websites. Um, you know, we're moving about 40,000 pieces a month. What I, what, I, what I find interesting, though, is like when you say like you started doing this out of your bedroom, like you're still in what, high school when this is happening? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so you're going to school during the yeah. day, and then like you're rushing home and like packaging up some stuff and sh- shipping it out. I mean, like, what does the so, day in the life of so, Tyler at that stage look like? So always. So the funny thing is, is like, I guess you could say that when you start a business, you have an end goal, and usually that's financial freedom. And so you go, well, what am I going to spend all this money on? What are my hobbies? Well, mine specifically was cars. I loved cars. Cars were like my fantastic, like I eat, breathe and sleep cars. I still do it. I love my cars. Right. And, um, in 2006, after online, I was like, you know, I had some money and I just got my license and I bought myself a used, but new to me, uh, BMW M3. And, nice. you know, I was uh, driving that to school. And <laughs> the teachers were like, how does this kid afford an M3? Um, and, and a lot of people actually thought I was running a drug front. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you were putting like, yeah. drugs inside the coffee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but no, I, I never, I never ran a drug front. Um, I just, uh, I just had this real passion to help people and by helping people, it, it really made my day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, When you were talking about like, you know, your car cars being your passion, everything like Dean, I couldn't help think about 
how you know your assless chaps and your all your burlesque stuff is your passion. <laughs> Well, no. if we're going to talk about passions, then that's the only place it can go for me. I'm afraid. Well, exactly. It's why well, it was so obvious. To me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Tyler, in terms of, you know, breaking into the market. So obviously, you know, you talked about, you know, online and, you know, kind of getting involved in that at, a, at an appropriate time and, and everything, but there's some major players in the coffee market, right? I mean, there's like some well-established, coffee providers, uh, you know, that have been around for ages and ages, like how, how did you compete with those guys and how did you separate yourself from everybody else in terms of positioning and messaging and getting people's attention? Like, how did you go about that? Uh, well, we, we really consider ourselves here at Tyler's coffees as the healthy coffee. So, you know, when when someone says, I want a cup of coffee, they can have a cup of coffee. Starbucks provides that, um, you know, Folgers provides that, Maxwell House provides that, uh, Pete's provides that, the list goes on and on and on. And then micro roasters that, you know, the, the third wave of coffee was kind of a big thing for a little bit where they had micro roasters, just like micro brewers. But Tyler's coffee is a completely different animal. Um, we specifically cater to a health conscientious marketplace. So people that have Crohn's, GERD, icy, leaky gut, again, all the me medical modalities. We're board urology certified by Dr. D. DiTrolio. He's on our bag of our, all our coffees. And, uh, you know, he he's a phenomenal urologist. Um, we're talking to some more urologists about getting some more white papers on the product, but long story short, we we're kind of like a, I mean, I didn't make this up. People say we're more of a prescription than a subscription. Mm. 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 Interesting. Did, was that the, was that the initial angle that you took or was that something that evolved as you started moving forward? It's a good question. No, and it, it was the actual initial uh, angle that I took. And the reason why is my father, he's the one that created this product because he has medical issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you say that, like, I don't know if you was picking up on this, James, because I, I made that cardinal sin, didn't I? I in, in one of our companies, I, I completely missed what our unique selling point was and just tried to compete in this huge cosmetic space. Uh, be kind of mm -hmm. like you coming out, Tyler, and just being like, oh, we just got a great coffee. It's just better than other coffees. You know, I, I made that right. mistake. So it's great that you caught, you got that right from the beginning. <clears throat> yeah, I, again, I, I, I'm really in, in actually, you know, before COVID, I would go around and I would speak, um, you know, people would have interviewed me on stage and stuff. And uh, at the end of my stage time, I would always have people mob me when I came off stage or when we went on break and people would want to talk to me. I was obviously very open to talking to people, but um, my number one question to young entrepreneurs or startup people or people that want to start a new business or whatever is one question and it, and it really kind of gets the wheels turning in their head. And I always get these blank stares um, because they look at me like, I never thought of it that way, but they, they talk to me about their product or service and I'm really like, obviously for it. But then I ask them one question and that question is, is does it help? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
does it help? And they look at me like, well, what, what do you mean? I'm like, well, does it help? Does it actually help people for buying your product or your service? I mean, or are you just another product or service in the marketplace? And if you are, that's fine, but you're going to be playing in red water territory. And the only thing that you get to play with is price point, because if you're just a consumable in a marketplace, then, you know, you say, Hey, we got a better price on this product because a good, a good example of this whole entire uh, concept that I kind of, I'm not going to say coined, but thought about is you remember the fidget spinner crave? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So fidget spinners, and I saw this, it was, you know, it was just funny. I just got a kick out of it, but fidget spinners were like, they were like in the beginning of COVID, they were like masks, like everyone wanted them and there was such a demand and not enough supply. And then after about six to eight months, these retailers were sitting on thousands of fidget spinners that they couldn't give away. Um, and that's because you're, you're, you're talking about a fad and a fad does not help. Mm -hmm. A fad does not stay long because it doesn't give any value on a long-term basis. It's just a, it's a fad. So Tyler's coffees is not a fad because we actually help people that suffer from stomach related issues. So like, like your cosmetic business, you know, does it help? Does it give uh, the consumer an idea to have more of a peer environment on their face? Does it, you know, reduce the chemical uh, issues or reduce their acne be being more natural? I, I don't know your, your product, but what I'm saying is that if it doesn't help and you're just buying from, you know, DHgate or Alibaba, uh, and you're trying to make a, a point or two or three points on your resale, it's fine. I'm not against it. I'm just saying you're, you're going to run out of, you're right. going to run out of uh, runway real quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I think that that's, that's a great thing for, uh, I think a lot of people to look at is to ask, does this help? And then how, and I suppose that can be a foundational point of yeah. <clears throat> really being able to market that strongly. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so what other what other advice uh, would you give to other people who are entrepreneuring? <laughs> I know you're going to take that, aren't you? Well, you you can have it, James. <laughs> Next week, will, Tyler, it'll be, it'll be it'll be I can't wait. I can't wait to do praise. <laughs> yeah, with full well full full credit to you, but I'll just yeah. it's like it is absolutely my new favorite word. Okay, cool. <laughs> and and I'm not going to I'm going to say this, and this is in the same vein as how you complimented my introduction of you. It's absolutely my favorite word I've heard this year. So yeah, so four and a half days go. in, it's my favorite now. Four and a half days in, entrepreneuring. I like yeah. it. Well, hey, I get royalties, all right? Perfect. I'm cool with that. <laughs> um, sorry, what was, your, what was your question? Well, just, you know, for other people who are, you know, starting or growing a company, what are some of the other, you know, peaks and valleys oh, okay. that you've experienced on the roller coaster that, that you would want to share with others who are, you know, starting or growing uh, their business? Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, the other thing that I absolutely hate to hear with a passion, it drives me up a wall is I hate, I hate to hear this word. I need money. Mm. We all need money. 
Okay. We all need air to breathe. We all, we all, we all need food to eat. Uh, that's not, that's not, you know, oh, I have this great idea, but I need money. Right. No, you really don't need money. Uh, if your idea is so fantastic and wonderful, um, there's resources out there like Kickstarter and Indiegogo that can get you money. And, and they've, there's been, I mean, ring.com started on, Indi on uh, Kickstarter and now they're a multi-billion dollar business that got acquired by Google. So the concept or the idea is what you really are trying to sell. Um, when, when, yeah. So when someone says I need money, I say, no, you don't, you don't need money. What you need is you need to test market your product with your friends and family and then outside of your friends and family into essentially a blanket test market, make sure that the test market is viable with your product or service. And then you figure out in the marketplace there's, so there's an S and P graph, right? Supply and there's S and D graph. So supply and demand. So if you create enough supply, but you don't have demand, you have overstock and you're going to lose money. So you need to figure out like Tyler's coffees is nicknamed back order coffee because we have such a demand and not enough supply. And that's in a good place to be. Now I'm not saying that's a good problem to have. It's a problem, but it's better than having too much of something that you can't get rid of. So if you're going to start an, a concept or an idea, uh, test market it, and then you have to test market the value point. So like I was talking about, you know, well, how much did you know how to sell it for? Well, I knew a dollar was not going to be too much money. I knew a hundred dollars was going to be outrageous. So you also have to look and you have to say, okay, what's my cogs, my cost of goods sold. So if your cost of goods sold is, you know, let's say a product is uh, $10 in your cogs, your raw cogs, like actually landed cogs, then you sell it for $100, you're going to only sell two or three, where if you sell it for $15, you're going to sell a couple hundred. And so that's where you also need to figure out, like, are you going to sell a product that's going to be out of the marketplace where people are going to have to find where you're going to have to find a niche market to buy your product, or are you going to go to mass market? But first and foremost, you have to figure out if your idea is going to be good and viable. Um, well, so, so just to, just to kind of jump in here, you, sure. your idea that you talked about, about finding a valid test market for your product, like how yeah. do you, how do you think about, is this a valid test market, right? You know, you mentioned friends and family. That's cool for like early acceptance, but right. I think most, most of us know that everybody who likes or loves us is going to be like, oh yeah, this is really cool. But like, right, then you get outside of that and it's like, it's like being outside the city gates and people yeah. might throw things at you if it sucks. So like, how do you make sure that you're actually looking at a valid test market? I mean, a good, a good sample uh, that people overlook and, and I, I use on a regular basis is social media. Social media is a phenomenally good test market. Um, if you want to spend, you know, like $100, you can get a couple thousand views on your branded product or your branded uh, post yep. and read those comments. Read those comments. I mean, if the comments are like, I mean, we, we have comments that say this coffee is way too expensive. And then we have other people that rebuttal and say, yeah, it's really expensive, but you get what you pay for it. And it's organic and it's fantastic. And I drink it every day and I love it. So 
we don't ever delete bad press or bad comments from our social media because we let our other customers kind of rebuttal them. And then other people that are new or don't know the product can see that it's a real conversation and that these people are actually going to bat for us. So it more, it creates a more validity in the idea of what we're doing. So on, so like in that, in that sense, you're, you're testing, you know, the, the dialogue or the conversation that's taking place in that market with your product. Yeah. Um, when it comes to getting people to, you know, take out their credit cards and buy something, you mm -hmm. know, it, where's your, like, how do you, how do you think about testing things like that? Are you, you know, you're like, okay, well, cool, I mean, we got, you know, we've got an ad up and we've got some comments and things like that going on, but you know, the, right. the saying goes, you know, people vote with their dollars. Right. And, you oh, know, yeah. and oh, so like, how do we, how do we test like the whole, okay, cool. People think this is really interesting going all the way to, yeah. Are they going to actually pay for it though? And how much are they going to pay for it? Yeah, there's there's a there's an acronym in the industry called ROAS, return on investment and dollar spent. Yeah. And so if you're going to spend say for example, say our product, I mean we'll take Tyler's coffees for example. Let's say, you know, our average customer sale price on our website is $40, meaning they buy two bags or two of, you know, a bag yeah. in a box or whatever, right. decaf rate or whatever. So, we say okay, uh, our ROAS, or sorry, our, our average cart is $40. Our ROAS cannot exceed uh, $40. And if it does, then we're really going to be kind of eating money before we make money back. And I mean, yeah, I guess potentially that could work out if you, we have a fifth, we have a 85% retention rate. So, I mean, I'm willing to take that bet. But our ROAS right now is like five to six dollars. So if we're pumping money out there, we're getting money in return and we have that margin to essentially re re reallocate funds back into the into the project. And then at one point you can kind of, you know, take a break from your marketing and you should be able to re have a retention rate of some amount that will keep your business afloat. And then you take that profit, siphon it off, add more, uh, add more marketing dollars and kind of rinse and repeat. Yeah. I was just, I was just curious how you approach it. I, you know, I guess like, cause Dean and I talk a lot about, you know, these direct response metrics and, you know, cost of customer acquisition and return on ad spend, all the things right. that you're talking about and lifetime right. value and, and everything like that. And I was just curious if, you know, you approach it, in a similar way. And it, it, yeah, it sounds, sounds like you do for sure. Um, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a math guy. So as long as there's math involved, right. um, I can look at, I can look at a, I can look at a project and say, yeah, it's going to make money or no, it's going to fail. Yeah. Dean, what were you going to say? Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think there was also just along this, on, along this path of testing and, and trying out the market. I think, I think what you mentioned about how this first began, Tyler, you know, you, really, if we break down what you shared at the beginning, you essentially took your product and got it into the hands of, you know, dozens of people for free as like those little testers, you know, yep. so you were able to go out and do that. And that incidentally, that's one of the things that both James and I have done in various different forms. You know, I, I give away my books for free, you know, and I know some yeah, people yeah. are going to come back for more. So I think there's, I think there's a real gem in that for anyone that's listening, thinking about, well, how do I test my product? How do I test my idea? I think, 
I think what you did there was a, a great thing. Yeah, and if uh, if you guys are just joining us, uh, yeah, I appreciate we're talking that. with uh, we're talking with Tyler Ornstein, founder of Tyler's Coffee. Started the company when he was 14 years old, and uh, has now sold over two million cups, moves forty thousand units of product a month. Um, just uh, just really cool. So yeah, I, I think um, you know, for me, the <laughs> I'm not going to be able to stop saying entrepreneuring. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but like I think one of the keys to entrepreneuring. That's all right. You know, we, need a co- we, we need get- a co-author, dude. We need a co-author like a blog. The top ten things you need to know about entrepreneuring. Um, but I think one of them. How, one about, of them- how about we do this? How about we get on Printify? Watch, someone's going to take this, and we're going to lose money on this. But then what we're going to do is we're going to come into the to the market. And we're going to compete. And we're going to drop the price, and we're just going to have a price war. But why don't we have a why don't we have a shirt made that says? Don't bug me. I'm entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. We could have like we could have like do not disturb hangers on doors. I'm you know, entrepreneur in progress. <laughs> See, this um, is the curse of, of an entrepreneur of being an entrepreneuring person. You get an yeah. idea and you run with it immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think, you know, to but like let's it's a funny story and a funny example. But if we were gonna take that idea, right? Here's a here's a great case study, right? In in this, you know, few minutes we've been talking, this organic idea has popped up, right? Merchandise yep. to appeal to entrepreneurs with this new word, entrepreneuring, right? And whether this has legs or it doesn't have legs, right? The first thing we'd want to do is we would want to test this, right? Yep. We'd want to say, okay, cool. Well, are people interested in this, right? Like you were talking about the social media posts and like the dialogue. Does this resonate with people, right? All that sort of stuff, and then. Yeah, and then put on some t-shirts or some hats or some mugs or, dude, we could even package this up as, I'm sure your subset of your market are entrepreneurs. So we could have coffee mugs Mm -hmm. as an upsell in Tyler's Coffee that say hashtag (laughs) entrepreneuring. Right Right here, buddy. Yeah, there you go. People people buy these things like hotcakes. They love them. They love them. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's it's, it's interesting because, you know, know, we're, we're sort of tongue in cheek about this. But but a lot of ideas start with a spark of creativity, and then and then and then people default like ah like I'm gonna need money to like build all the products and build all the stuff and do all the things and it's like no like what you got to do is you got to figure out can I sell the thing right, right? is it, it going to make money and then to your point like if we put a dollar in are we going to get you know two dollars out or three dollars out or whatever it's going to be and you need to know your economics of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's like super, super important in that you, when someone bringing that all the way kind of full circle, when you have someone that says, I need money, I guess my next question would be like, okay, do you have a customer? Right. Because the only time that you want to go and grab money is if you have to fill a PO. If you can't fill a PO, I mean, there's really no reason to go and buy money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah cuz like what are you going to what are you going to do with it? If you're going right. to use it on expenses, that's uh that's a pretty risky game. If you're going to use it to yeah. produce sales. That's different. Well, then then it's different. Yeah, and and it's so that's that's another point that I I talk about with entrepreneurs is there's positive debt and negative debt. People are like, what are you talking about positive debt and negative debt? Well, positive debt is if I'm going to go and I'm going to buy inventory or I'm going to go and buy 
for example, I have a service. I'm going to go buy a truck so I can get my service to the customer. Like I'm a landscaper, so I have to buy a truck or I have to buy a utility. I have to buy a lawnmower. I have to buy a hedger. I have to buy this. That's positive debt because in the long run, I can pay off that debt and I'll be able to quote unquote, make money and make that profit. Negative debt is like if I wanted to go buy a car or if I wanted to go buy a boat or an airplane or a house or something that's not really going to give me value uh, and, and gonna, especially a car. I mean, a car is the most appreciated asset unless you're buying like Enzo Ferrari or Bugatti Zonda, then you're buying an asset because it goes up in value. But I'm talking about a Honda or like a Toyota. I mean, you're buying, you're buying like a loss asset. It's going to depreciate in value. And so which is fine. I don't have a problem with, I mean, I, I'm, I'm one to speak. I've got three AMG Mercedes. I mean, that's crazy, but they're all paid off. And so when I talk to entrepreneurs, I'm like, yeah, that's cool that you have these ideas that you want to go and buy things for yourself. Great. But why don't you do it with the profits? Yeah. Yeah. Don't, absolutely. don't, don't buy it on, don't buy it on credit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dean's got, you know, a stable full of horses right behind him that he, you know, nice. rotates through to ride into the studio. This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend's a big horse rider. She she grew up on a ranch. <laughs> Maybe she and Dean could go riding sometime. I'd like to see video footage of that. Um, <laughs> Dean, uh, Dean, what other uh, what are the thoughts or uh, directions you want to take this conversation before we start wrapping things up? Well, I, I, I think just to touch on quickly, if we can, like, I think one of the fascinating things that might be a slight different thing to a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about, you know, online sales, e-commerce, uh, obviously, Tyler, yourself, you've, um, you, you do that, but you've also got a heavy retail side. Um, yeah. I, I just love to just to hear a little bit about that, because I'm sure there's probably people listening that have this e-commerce online presence and uh, maybe considered the whole retail thing and really wouldn't know kind of where to begin i you know is there anything that you can just kind of share to somebody in that position of how to you know first steps or things they need to start considering or things they should be aware of that might differ between selling online through e-commerce direct to consumer compared to the retail side of things yeah sure so uh i like trends i i've, I've actually watched a lot of trends um i i like investing because uh if you if you actually can watch the trends and listen to the experts and um, kind of make up your own decisions, you can make a lot of money in the market right now. And I've made an absolute killing. I, I want to just I'm trust me, I'm seg segueing into that, but I just want to say that um, people thought for the longest time Bitcoin or uh, cryptocurrency was a fad and it was just going to go away. And I was a essentially a, a first uh, at this idea of Bitcoin. I, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll put a couple, you know, thousand dollars into it and just see where it goes. Well, I don't know if you followed it, but we're at like yeah. 32,000 a coin now. So um, when I say that, what I'm saying is that retail's the same way. I have told people, and I've I've said this on many podcasts last year and a couple of years before, as I said, retail is dead. They just haven't got the death certificate yet. Mm. Um, malls are gone. 
I mean, their retail walking through, especially COVID was the nail in the coffin, but walking through the mall is kind of like walking through a museum now. I mean, it's, no one's going to do it. So when you kind of talk about retail, you have to kind of really, really strongly figure out what you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about trying to get your product apparel, let's talk about apparel, like you're trying to get your apparel brand into the mall, into like, um, you know, H&M or into, that's a really risky move. Um, I would rather cut my costs and try to make my profit online. Um, But for grocery, like for for us, if if you're talking about a grocery product, um, we got very, very lucky. Grocery is, is here to stay and it's doing very well. It's actually doing far better than a couple of years before um, the the demand of, of grocery has gone through the roof. So um, good time in the grocery business, but uh, for the restaurants, I mean, my God, you're, you're talking about uh, a lost leader there. And uh, I'm glad I didn't invest in, I was going to invest in this restaurant concept. And I'm glad at the last moment, this was an 18, and at the last minute, I said, eh, you know, it's not my industry. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing here. So I'm just going to walk out. And uh, and that restaurant went under this year or last year, technically. So um, retail's, a, re- retail's, <laughs> retail's a ficky bit, a ficky bitch. I mean, she's, she really, really finicky. She really doesn't care about you. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of demand in the industry of online businesses. Now I would rather invest in an online business, especially for the next at least three years than retail. But um, if you do want to get into retail, let me just tell you, it is as difficult as you make it out to be. Uh, it took us about 50 calls to get natural grocers natural groceries is a 200 grocery store chain um and they finally you know finally all right fine i'll listen to you what do you got and then when we told them what they got or what we had they were like wow holy cow yeah we want this in our stores um and it's done very well for us uh and for them you know they made money so but then you also have other grocery store chains that are just like yeah tyler it's not a good fit your price point's too high we don't know if we have that you know, niche of a marketplace. And you kind of, you kind of have to push yourself into uh, a retail situation that is going to make sense. You know, um, you're not going to sell a Rolex at Walmart. You know, it's, you just have to figure out what your, what your market space is going to be and kind of go after that. But uh, lowest entry, the barrier um, is going to be online and it's, you you have the lowest cost, especially now with drop shipping as an option. Um, you can really really cut down and just work on your marketing dollars. Um, I mean, if you have a good product, and I and I keep going back to that. So just to explain to you and and your listeners what a bad product is 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 I, I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, what a bad product, and I've used this. Uh, analogy on multiple shows. No one wants to buy turtle shoes. <laughs> turtle shoes. 
<laughs> I, I was curious what you were going to say. I that definitely didn't even. Yeah, I didn't choose me. that one. I didn't, didn't register on my radar until you said it. Okay. <laughs> so turtle shoes will never have a market. No one's going to want to put shoes on their turtle. People that own turtles, it's a very small market. The cost of building a turtle shoe in R and D is far far exceeds their value of return on investment. Bad model, bad idea, bad business, really, really low uh, revenue stream. Don't want to do it, right? So um, that's kind of what what I'm getting at is is you 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 got to find a, a niche product that is a viable product and and or go the other route and just do mass market. And, and this is actually why I really enjoy and it's funny because I feel like I should live stream my uh, my Shark Tank. Uh, show because I'm dead on. I'm like, they're not going to do the deal. No one does the deal. They all walk away. Or I go, oh, I, he likes the idea. He likes the concept, but he's going to over, he's going to overvaluate it. Of course, the pitcher, the, the person that owns the company overvaluates it. And then Mr. Wonderful comes in and just <laughs> crushes them and, you know, takes, uh, takes 80% for 30,000 instead of, <laughs> instead right. of the opposite and and it's because it's because investors and and if you go to our website i i met robert Heshevik, really nice guy super super cool one of my favorite sharks and the one thing that i talked to robert about is i said you know robert what was that one thing where you go oh i wish i invested in that because that was one of the coolest ideas and it made so much money. And he said, well, do you know, Tyler, at, if you think you of it. Said, Turtle shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Watch, it's going to be a market cap of like a billion dollars in six years. And I'm going to say shit. He's like, um, I'm so pissed at myself for missing out on the turtle shoe trend. <laughs> Oh dear. But he said to me, he said, you know, if you if you think about all the ones that you missed, you'll never figure out the ones that you want. Or you never can figure out the ones that you're gonna get. And and it, it made made a lot of sense to me because um products and services are a dime a dozen. It's what the market's going to want is what yeah. you're gonna want to invest in. Yeah. 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 That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, this uh this has been uh this has been a great, great conversation. Um, and now we've got, you know, one good business idea, entrepreneuring merch and one bad business idea, turtle shoes. Turtle um, shoes. It could so, be the other way around. You're making assumptions. I am. I am making thing. assumptions. Right? <laughs> all right, dude, you go after the turtle shoes. You let me know how that works out. All right. Yeah. Hand, I'll test one shoe first. One yeah. shoe. Handmade with care from Nottingham United Kingdom. Turtle shoes. The only thing your turtle could be wearing. Um, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Um, no, I think I think it's been really good. Uh any uh any parting shots, Tyler? Like anything, you know, you wanna you wanna share with people that you don't think we talked about yet, or um I don't feel like you've really taken a jab at Dean, like maybe you want to do that still, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Dean, what is the one thing in your life that you wish you could have changed when you were entrepreneuring? That's a good um, question. My podcast co-host. <laughs> 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 
that's so that's so funny that we'd have the same, Ouch. The same answer to that question. <laughs> Ouch. No, I think um, oh, uh, that's a gut it, shot right there. Yeah, it was it was a it was a glancing blow. He could do he could do better than that. Um, I think for me, it's this uh, this conversation that we're talking about right now. It's it's not about your idea. It's about what people want and will pay for. Yeah. Like that's everyone like you, has you, hobbies. Yeah, like you've got to you've got to get your own ego out of the way mm-hmm. to to really be successful as an entrepreneur. Like otherwise, you're just going to be a frustrated curmudgeon, <laughs> not not a successful entrepreneur. So I think I think for me that was um, it's you know I, I wouldn't say I've had any like major, major blunders because of that. But I think just knowing that today, if I knew it as clearly 10 years ago, as I know it today, I think that that would have been a, that would have been a big head start for me. Right. Yeah. Well, and, that's, and, that's and the, the podcast co-host. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm for sale. <laughs> <laughs> He came, look, he came. He came with two business ideas. I don't remember the last time you came up with it. And coffee, <laughs> two business ideas and coffee. I lose this game. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think you guys, I think you guys are 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 right on. Is is there's so many people out there that will put emotion before business and then build a business around their emotion. And I, I look at them and I go why you know what what's the value and then okay so let me let me give you one last tidbit um and being a business owner for 15 years i've had over god 60 employees uh and and now i'm down to to two and i love the whole operation with two people uh yeah yeah i run the whole operation with two people um we now we have a call center um, that does all our inbound calls for all our customer intake. Um, we've got a fulfillment center that does all our fulfillment. Um, actually, it's a 5031C, so we actually support a nonprofit. They hire people that are remedial, so people that have downs or people that have mental deficiencies. They can't have a normal job, but they can have a really great life and a repetitive job. And I'll tell you, shipping is the most repetitive thing you'll ever do. And I love helping out and supporting that 5031C. I feel very honored doing that. I love supporting and I love giving back to my community as a whole. But I mean, directly, we have two people that run uh, majority of the operations. We have salespeople that that are remote. We've got, uh, like I said, a call center of like 30 people. Uh, we've got a fulfillment center of like 50 people, but those are all, those are all 1099 contract jobs. The point is, is what I'm saying is that, um, when you, when you have a passion for something, that's a good thing. But if your passion does not make money, you have a hobby, which is not a bad thing, but you have to accept that it's a hobby. And I, when I started growing my business, I thought, okay, my next step would be farmer's markets. And I started going to farmer's markets and watching these people, you know, 
literally live in this bubble of I'm just going to go, I'm going to do my day job and then I'm going to go to the farmer's markets and I'm going right. to sell my, my one-off things or, you know, like, and there were some pretty good products that I thought were, were actually viable, but um, the entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, someone that's actually done it and, and made money on it cannot serve two masters. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to do it full time. You're not going to do it part time. Um, I hate these people that say, oh, I got another job, but I'm doing this. It's like, are you though? Are you? Right. Um, you got to focus on something. And, and now you build a cash cow, which to me is Tyler's coffees. I can go and take my, my revenues and I can go into different markets or I can invest into other things or I can go, you know, into the stock market, Bitcoin. I can support other small business. I, I supported a, uh, a local, um, I became part owner in a, uh, in a cleaning business because I thought 20, in 2019, I got approached and, and I said, well, how much uh, can I get if I give you this much influx of cash? And we made a deal and blew up because COVID happened and everyone wanted their house cleaned because they thought COVID was around every corner. Um, so it worked out for us immensely. We, we, we got really booked up fast and, and uh, made a good investment on that. So I, I, I think that a good entrepreneur will reinvest their profits into other things that they think are going to be valuable. Yeah. But I don't like, I don't like someone that says I, haven't done this but i'm doing this on the side it's like okay well it's great but you're never going to actually get successful until you actually uh step off the cliff and try to assemble an airplane on the way down <laughs> yeah exactly and and that brings us full circle to what we started with being on the entrepreneuring roller coaster so um yeah well we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here um Tyler, thanks so much for being here, man. Really, uh, really great yeah. meeting you. Um, cool. Go to uh, Tyler'sCoffees.com. Yeah, go to Tyler'sCoffees.com. Um, I'm I'm gonna plan on checking it out. And uh, yeah, this has been been really awesome. Dean, any any parting shots before we uh, before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, no, just to say uh, thanks, Tyler. Yeah, it's been awesome uh, hearing all about the journey and everything that you guys are doing there. So thanks for sharing. Cool. Yeah, and thanks to uh, oh, thanks I to our listener. Uh, evidently, we got a listener. I saw a comment come in. Alex from Kenya. I uh, was watching and listening to the live live stream today. Of course, we don't want to neglect our uh, faithful listeners in Zhangzhou. And shout, uh, out, shout out to you guys. Uh, but what was the comment? You. I'm just curious. Uh, what did he say? Said, uh, let's see. Uh, he was laughing. I don't remember what we were saying at the time. Uh, I'm oh. sure it was nonsense. If that's why he was <laughs> laughing. Lovely show. I'm Alex watching from Kenya. Just started watching and enjoying the live show. So thanks for uh, that, Alec. Okay, um, and uh, yeah, awesome, uh, awesome show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Appreciate you guys. And we will be back next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, -day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com.
Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. <laughs>